Warning: This podcast contains mature themes from very immature people. So, Kate, I had an interesting conversation with、um, a new friend, possibly.、And、you, a new friend? I don't believe it. I <laughs> see immediately, immediately <laughs> undermining my self confidence. But- I thought I was your only friend. <laughs> But yes, I had a I had a conversation with a stranger, and I wanted to just kind of get your take on it. And I thought the best way to do that would be in the form of an audio play. So, oh my god! Yeah, a radio drama. <laughs> exactly. God, we're gonna be fucking on the BBC or something at any rate. <laughs>、uh, if you check. Your text. You'll have seen a series of photos. Don't scroll to the bottom yet. Start at the top. Okay. And、uh, I, I don't know. Do you want to be Lauren or do you want to be? I'll, I'll give you a hint. Her name's Mandy. Oh, I feel like a Mandy on the inside. I can be Mandy. All right. Then you have the, <laughs> you have the pleasure of going first, my friend. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Hi. Are you Yosef? It's Mandy. We chatted on Hinge before when I came to hang with my aunt, but we never met for lunch. For like the number,、mm. I'm back in town again. If you wanted to for sure go out this time, are you around? Sorry, Mandy. Not Yosef. Frowny face. Oof! This is mortifying. LOL. I dare say he passed me a wrong number. <laughs> I choose to think he typed it incorrect. Winking smiley face. Anyways, you learned my name and how I look like. Comma comma. What's yours? Now you'll see. She sent a picture. Hot blonde. Hot blonde. I'm into it. And I very. I'm thinking. You know. Okay. Okay.、Uh, so I say, "Oh, you're so cute." I don't know why he'd do that. I'm Lauren. Any chance you're bi or queer? Because you know, it's. I'm. I'm looking. Uh, okay, all right. I'm Mandy. Get in. Get in Mandy's yeah, yeah, mindset. Yeah. Good to meet you. This is so strange, but you seem kind of kind. You're not a creep, are you? Ah ha ha! Winking smiley face. Now here's where I start to think something might be a little bit off. Just here, huh? Just here. Just here. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving her a lot of doubt, a benefit of the doubt, but. I'm I'm cottoning on something's a little bit strange. So I say, no, I'm not a creep. But you're right that this is strange. I'm not 100 convinced you're a real person and not just a very smart bot. And、uh, then she replied, <laughs> icon behavior. <laughs> I'm as real as the dick in your shorts. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I was really disappointed. All right. Look, I'm horny. What do you want from me? You don't say. <laughs> Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Welcome to Let's Get It On Film, the all things sex in film and TV podcast. We're your hosts, Kate and Lauren. Hi, Kate. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing? Not great. In a downward spiral. Okay. Cool. 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 Fun. 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 Good, good content. Good content. Good content. <laughs>、um, 
So I'm good. Okay, there you go. That's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was being too real for you. Let me just take that again. Mm-hmm. I'm good, Lauren. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Are you? No. Well, no. Did Mandy break your heart? If we are we going to keep talking about Mandy because it is going to get it to be a sensitive subject. <laughs> <laughs> you have been telling me for like eight days that you wanted to talk about this on the podcast. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share my shame. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, you take the fucking reins then. I don't care. I, I would love to. <laughs> um, I, I kind of came up with the idea for this episode. Not to, not to brag. But I did it mostly because uh, it's one that relies entirely on editing, which is my mm-hmm. bread and butter. I uh, chose the, the topic of montage. So sexual <gasps> montage. Mm. Oh, sexual montage, not getting a fit montage or picking a new outfit montage. Those are other variants, but no, this is a sex podcast and not a getting ready podcast. Are those? <laughs> there must be. <laughs> getting ready podcasts. Yeah, there must be people who are just like, all right. And then you brush your teeth and then you have a drink of water. <laughs> but montage, uh, I chose this mainly uh, because I think it's I think montage is a really good tool in editing to be able to show, you know, large swaths of time in a in a short amount of, of screen time. Uh, you can convey a lot in very little glimpses. And uh, so I I think this is a good topic, but I very selfishly did just pick it because I was watching a show saw a montage of some sex and was like, aha, I got it. That's the most organic way to come about a topic for the podcast. Please excuse that word choice. You said it with so much emphasis. (laughs) Yes, that's the most organic way to come about a subject for the podcast. So I support that. Um, And I like montage because it's a useful tool. Um, We're very often talking about the narrative arc within Mm -hmm. a sex scene and montage is used in the event that you can't capture the correct narrative arc in just one sex scene. And so mm-hmm. you've got to use many of them in a short period of time to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's a really good technique for when you need to move a story along, for when you need to get a feeling across to an audience. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. But yes, so I go first this week and I have brought for you a show that's very near and dear to my heart right now. It is called Feel Good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. May Martin. May Martin. Uh, the semi-autobiographical story, originally produced for Channel 4 in, in the UK, but then picked up by Netflix for Series 2. Uh, it is written by May Martin, uh, Joe Hampson. His name's weird because it isn't Hampton. It's Hampson. <laughs> <laughs> and 
another of their university friends, Charlotte Ritchie, uh, is also the uh, main character as, alongside Mae Martin. This little trio of May, Joe, and Charlotte were all kind of friends around the same time and then continued on through various levels of success. Charlotte Ritchie is an actress, May Martin is a comedian, uh, Joe Hampson, I'm going to say also as a comedian and also writer. But <laughs> to be honest, I don't know as much about him. But anyway, uh, I've liked May Martin for a while. I watched some of their comedy uh, online before the show. And I, I thought they were really, really interesting. Yeah, I like May Martin. They're um, really endearingly like neurotic or something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so this series is described as a tromedy. <laughs> That's trauma mixed with comedy. <laughs> so uh, it's autobiographical in the sense that it's based on May Martin about 10 years earlier. And it, well, it's, it's hard to describe because it's, I'll tell you what it's not first. It's not just a story about substance addiction. It's not just a story about being queer or bisexual. It's not just a story about reckoning with past trauma, uh, such as sexual, uh, well, sexual powerlessness. It was, it's a complicated situation there. And it's not just a story about being a non-binary person. On that note, can we just clarify Mae Martin's pronouns are she, they, yes. right? Okay. So it's, it's all right to call them she, but I'll, I also, whenever someone puts they as an option, I'm like, I'm going to use that as much as possible. Got it. I just didn't want to fuck it up. No, it's all right. I'm trying. <laughs> you are doing great, sis. All right. Uh, and that was sis's and sister, not sis's and sister. <laughs> that wasn't a I slur. I was gonna ask. That wasn't a I slur. Was, <laughs> I was gonna ask if that was a little pointed. <laughs> no, you're doing great, sister. <laughs> um, no, I still think that sounded like sister with a C. So. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, so, uh, my point is. It's not a show about any one aspect of, of these characters. It's really a beautiful love story between these two characters, May Martin, as self-named in, in the, you know, the character is the same as the, as the writer, and uh, the character that Charlotte Ritchie plays, uh, whose, it's really cute name, it's George. Isn't that a cute name for like a really feminine person? I don't know. It is. Is she, do they mention it at all? Is she like a Georgina or something? And just goes by George? I don't remember actually, but probably, probably it's something like that. But it's just, I think that's really cute. That is cute. So the show is about this love story between these two people. And they both bring their past trauma, their difficult personalities, the things that they're struggling with at the moment to this relationship. 
And that's where a lot of the, I don't even want to say like drama, that's where a lot of the conflict arises because this is a love story between two people who haven't got themselves figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And conflict is not necessarily a bad thing, particularly like in, in terms of a narrative conflict is what drives plot forward. So it's not necessarily like it causes conflict and they fight. Right. But conflict yeah. as in as in the things that drive the plot of the show forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's so it's season one was so good. Loved it. Uh, and I think I binged the whole of season one, uh, in like one or two days because it was just so snappy and fun. It's, uh, May is, is meets George at one of her comedy sets and George is like, oh, she's cool. I'm going to come up to her after and I'm going to kiss on her. Uh, I'm using, <laughs> I'm using she for the, for the character. Cause at this time, uh, they, they hadn't really explored the gender aspect. Um, but then, uh, they're like, oh, they're kissing on. And then they very quickly move in together, (laughs) which if you don't know, it's a major trope when it comes to, uh, particularly queer women, major lesbian stereotype, major lesbian stereotype. Uh, they move in together pretty immediately. And then the rest of the show is them kind of realizing, oh, I don't, I don't actually know you, you know, I'm wildly attracted to you, but I don't actually know you. So that's, that's how things play out. Um, So May is a recovering drug addict. Uh, She struggles with that a lot in the first season and into the second season, which I want to preface. I haven't finished the second season. Okay. I'm kind of afraid of it ending. <laughs> I like don't want to watch the last two episodes because then it'll be over. <sighs> but it's then you right. just do what I do and you start an immediate rewatch. That's what I had to do with Ted Lasso. I wasn't ready for it to be over. So I just started it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, uh, May in, in May Martin's comedy, like outside of the show, they have a very neurotic sort of personality uh, or persona, I should say. And they bring that into the character. Uh, So May, the character is super anxious and is sort of flying by the seat of her pants and just trying to trying to make it all work. And as much as she sort of considers George to be this like perfect angel, it kind of turns out that, oh, George has problems, too. Like. George like a human. Yeah, human. <laughs> and not not perfect angel. Uh George, this is the first uh queer relationship that George has ever been in. And so she's trying to kind of navigate that and figure out like how do I tell my family and friends? And she's trying to deal with just feelings of like neediness and that sort of show that definitely comes from having an unstable like family life. And yeah, so it's, they're very, very human. These are two incredibly fleshed out characters. And that's where the beauty of the show comes from. And my understanding is that their relationship is a little bit 
codependent, right? I've seen very little of the show, but I think they quickly fall into a codependent relationship that at least has May sort of reflecting on, you know, former therapy and rehab and and whatever and saying, oh, this might not be a good idea. Yeah, it's it's almost I saw um, when interviewed May Martin described the season one relationship as toxic. Mm. It's in many ways like they shouldn't be together in season one because they are not being very good to each other. May is seeing George as like a new addiction. And that's and that's just not okay. And George is sort of seeing May as like a personal thing that she can just keep in her home and not bring out into her public life. Mm. You're going to stop fucking doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where that's where uh, things kind of turn around in season two. Uh, So in season two, uh, they're coming back together after a brief breakup. And uh, they are immediately falling back into old habits, but they have this experience of their first time trying this relationship. They do try and approach it a bit more carefully. So especially in the episode I'm going to show you today, this is something that really gets explored. They sort of have just gotten back together and they immediately fall back into old habits. And throughout the course of the episode, other characters sort of challenge their relationship and say like, you guys are like two horny teenagers. You (laughs) are not having an adult relationship. And uh, it's it's very starkly contrasted with one of uh, George's friends who is having a baby. So the idea is that George and May have to really face the fact that they have to be grown-ups if they want this relationship to work. Hmm. Okay. But before they go on that emotional journey, they have a lot of sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to talk to you about today. I'm very excited. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you can stop. First of all, I can't believe you didn't save that for the role playing episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean that's that's true. I'll just have to find another thing. But oh my god, it's so funny. Oh, that was brilliant. Ah, uh, what a good little moment. Okay. So let me let me describe it. Describe it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we, this is the very beginning of the episode. So that Netflix end comes on and then we're here with uh, May and George in bed in George's beautiful, like actually lived in looking type bedroom, like such a cute set. Um, and May is having a nightmare and she's, she's kind of like muttering in her sleep and George reaches over and tries to to wake her up and she does and she she kind of like oh that was so fucked up and george asks do you want to talk about it and instead may decides to start a a role play and have sex 
dive seamlessly into it too. I know. <laughs> Cause uh there is something we have to talk about. There's a problem in our relationship. I'm uh you know I'm a vampire <laughs> and you're just a high school girl. So <laughs> clearly having a go at Twilight. <laughs> and they're so cute. Okay, I have to I have to not say that every few seconds. But um No, they really are. They're very they're cute. So cute. So, because George immediately like goes with it and he's like, I'm not stupid. I know you're a 400 year old vampire. <laughs> I just want to lose my virginity on prom night. <laughs> and then uh, there's a really sweet little bit where, where May like rolls on, on top of her and like nuzzles into her neck and growls like a vampire. Oh, so cute. So cute. I love that shit yeah i know and it, it's a nice thing to have like going as the title comes on because it's like just a sweet little not too explicit but very intimate like smiley sort of scene mm-hmm. which which then leads into this montage of george and may having increasingly ridiculous role play fantasies <laughs> And I'll I'll be frank. I know the main criticism of of this choice and scene. There isn't that much sex. It's a lot no. of foreplay. It all cuts off mm-hmm. pre-sex, but it's still very sexy and funny because it's not in any way like shying away from the sex, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the it's next... It's just that we're not yeah. seeing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's implying clearly that they're fucking. Yeah, it's very clear. I mean, in the next uh, in the next shot, we have uh, a role play based on a doctor and a patient where George... Uh, <laughs> where, where May comes in and says, oh, I have this headache, doctor. And George says, well, why don't you just pop your knickers off and we'll see what we can do. And pulls out this vibrator. <laughs> And then gives it a really cool, like quick little like look, like glee almost. Her eyes light up as she's looking at this vibrator. It's really funny. For me, it's the comedic timing of when she switches the vibrator on. That's yeah. good. probably just really good editing. But the 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 timing yeah. of the well, we'll see what we can do. Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so funny. Um, I think my favorite is. The next one where May pretends to be a plumber and, <laughs> and George. And where from? They both sound like they're trying to do like bad New Jersey accents or they, something. So I I recently watched the first two episodes of Kevin Can Fuck Himself. And mm-hmm. they sort of sound like they're trying to do that. Like Worcester, like Massachusetts accent, you know? <laughs> um, All right. Okay. In yeah, any I case. like how you just went like very weird and Kennedy with that though. Can I just pat you on the back for that? You I, didn't sound at all like a modern person from the state of Massachusetts, but you sounded a little JFK. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm doing nearly as good a job as they are in this scene. That's valid. I didn't yeah. I didn't read that as Massachusetts, but you could be right. That's that's what I read from it, but uh it's <laughs> I think this is my favorite one because they're like playing on this. Like, I mean, all of them are kind of playing on power dynamics, but it's may it gets to be like this kind of like 
more masculine, like sexy figure and, and be like, oh, your husband's away, huh? And like, <laughs> and George is like, yeah, I can't pay. I think this one is just the most explicit parody of porn, mm-hmm. I think is what makes it funny. The other ones are like, it's it's funny because of the sort of like masculine character that may is taking on as the plumber but, <laughs> but this is they might as well have been doing like pizza delivery man you know yeah. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's how classically porny this setup is <laughs> yeah which is then in great contrast to the next one which is just absurd <laughs> mm-hmm. we see may enter the room dismounting an invisible horse mining like whoa petting the horse petting the horse and it's all in the details it's, it's so settling, good. settling the invisible horse is really the high point and and may has this mustache on this like little tiny like what what would that be called like broom broom head uh, mustache uh, yeah, I don't know, like a little, like a little eighties porno yeah, stash. Yeah, it's bad. And 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 May goes in and and kneels in front of George, who's also has a fake mustache, but also a fur trimmed cape, like John Snow cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the the lines are, uh, May says, "My lord, the enemy advances, and still there's no sign of the king." <laughs> <laughs> and George stands and like towers over May and is like, I am your king now, Stephen. Why Stephen? Anyway, I don't know. That's, that's also an A plus choice. It's just it's such a normal name. So weird. If they had chosen something a little more like fantastical or yeah. biblical, like Leopold it would have been or less something. funny. Right, you know, but instead it's just Stephen. <laughs> oh, just man. I am your king now, Stephen, and it is time for you to prove your devotion to the crown. And immediately, like, nothing else is said. May starts unbuckling George's pants. And, like, (laughs) George kind of leans back and puts her hands over her head. Like, oh, yes, it's good to be the king. (laughs) And then the last one, uh, George comes home to a kind of dark apartment, house, whatever. Flat, flat is how I should say, because they are UK. Uh, And asks, are we alone? And May kind of says, like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in here. And then George proceeds to start uh, a role play based on Alien, the mm-hmm. horror film Alien. <laughs> and puts a vibrator down the back of her pants and starts going, Ripley, Ripley. <laughs> it's a skate. It's up my ass. I can feel it vibrating. <laughs> Only to walk in on a surprise birthday party that May has planned for her. And uh, collapses on the floor and I kind of shakes in a way that implies maybe she came just from the shock. But who knows? (laughs) Or... It's like she doesn't appear to be struggling that hard to like try and turn the vibrator off. Yeah. It's just kind of like she's just kind of like let Jesus take the wheel and collapsed <laughs> and collapsed in the fetal position. 
montage. It lasts uh, from beginning to end about three minutes. What what do you think? Uh, it's hilarious. It's it's very very deeply funny. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: there's not that much sex in it, but it's got a really like bold display of like what sex looks like between two people with vaginas. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they pull out the sex toys, and the fantasies are a little more like cerebral and romantic than sexual they're kind of they're they're playing off of more um like complicated ideas Mm -hmm. and power dynamics and (laughs) like deeper narratives yeah which i think is funny so there's there's something deeply feminine about it even though it's Mm -hmm. funny and even though half the time they've got mustaches on or they're playing (laughs) plumbers or whatever (laughs) there's something really deeply feminine feeling about it which Mm -hmm. i love yeah no I, i i like it a lot that was so funny i know I watched this and I immediately texted you the episode idea and this it's the rest is history. So yeah, I, I love this show. I am a big fan of this new trend of really kind of highbrow, mostly queer, like short form television. I am such, this and bonding are the, the ones that come to mind, but I know that there are others out there. It just feels like people are taking their trauma and turning it into jokes and comedy. And I love it. Absolutely. But this is kind of a more traditional half hour comedy, isn't it? That's yeah. What a 25 minute episode or 26 minutes or something. I mean, yeah, but it's definitely I would not call this traditional. I mean, traditional format. I mean, not traditional traditional content. content. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually longer than a traditional half hour. Oh, now it's long form. <laughs> I wish it was long form. I would watch 20 minutes straight of them role playing. That's hilarious. I know. It's really good. Uh, one, one thing that I think makes this work, this dynamic between George and May work, is because clearly May and Charlotte are such good friends. It's, they've known each other for years. Uh, they, they, uh, Charlotte described when I first auditioned for the pilot, we had to go again because we laughed too much for it to be usable. (laughs) And that's kind of what I'm like, Oh, that's, that's nice. They like make each other laugh constantly. Uh, I know during the filming of season two, because it was filmed during the pandemic, uh, they were in quarantine together in like a hotel and they were just spending like all day together working and hanging out and like everything. Oh my God. And there was only one room available and it only had one bed in it. I, <laughs> I'm not speculating because I don't want to speculate on the real life activities of real life people. Um, of course you do. You just don't want to do it in public. They are just really beautiful. And I love their <laughs> friendship. No comment. Don't think I didn't catch that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, but yeah, so this uh, this show is in turns really tragic, really sad and really, really funny. And May, uh, they 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 said in interviews that um, a lot of the heavier 
subject matter gets talked about a lot because of the show, but people don't talk about the fact that it is so funny. And this is one of those scenes that they've specifically called out as saying like, this is a good example of one of the ridiculous things that we do in this show that isn't about like gender and sexuality and like this trauma and like all these themes in the show. It's like, this is two people who are having so much fun and making each other laugh. Yeah. And it's also to like a thing that you don't often see on TV is a woman like walking into a room and being like, I'm horny and initiating sex. And that's what yeah. they're both doing yeah. <laughs> sort of back and forth. And it's, it's great and it's empowering and it's hilarious and it's authentic feeling if not, you know, totally authentic in content, but, mm-hmm. but there's something about it. That's like, that's what it's like when you're dating your best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you laugh together and you're willing to be a little ridiculous for the sake of an adventure or doing something fun or sexy or whatever. And that's what, that's what a good relationship kind of looks and feels like if, you know, like <laughs> elevated for the sake of comedy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a great example of how compatible these characters are at the very least sexually. They are, there's that hint I said at the very beginning when May doesn't want to talk about their nightmare that like, okay, there's deeper things going on that they're not addressing, but sexually they are so in sync. They are both so horny and they have these rich fantasy lives and that they work so well together. Clearly they are insatiable for each other. So May Martin says at one point, like, George and May, they're trying to transform what was essentially a compulsion and need into a healthy long-term adult relationship. So they're both trying to compromise and make this work. This sort of plays out through this episode. I mentioned they get called out and the episode resolves with them like sitting down, having a conversation about some difficult stuff. And then it ends with May peeing in front of George because they realized that they hadn't seen each other piss before. And they were like, that's a level of intimacy that we should do. And so they kind of like force it. George just like stands over May as she pees. <laughs> but the Does it turn into another weird sex game? Nope. Nope. I would be more comfortable if it did. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's just them trying to get to those steps of intimacy. Like, uh, but the intent is there. (laughs) And May Martin said another really insightful thing. Uh, This is a a bit more of a sort of deeper, heavier note. But I I wanted to bring it out because I think it's it's it it makes sense to me. They say uh, they're both really trying to compromise and make it work. I know in my own life, I've definitely felt like I have to have all my shit figured out before I can be in a serious adult relationship. And I think it's important to learn that it's okay to need somebody sometimes. And it's okay to do that work with someone. You don't have to have everything figured out before you open up. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful way of summarizing the essence of the show. That's nice. But yeah, let's stop. It is so sexy. Uh, Let's talk about soundtrack. 
Now, this song is from the original soundtrack, uh, which I found the title of. It's called Waking Up. So that's not very descriptive. That's just about them waking up and then this upbeat, jazzy thing starts. Um, but it was composed by Charles Watson and Rob Jones. It's just a fun, upbeat, jazzy song. It's got horns. It's got tambourine. It's got drums. It's like, it's fun. And it, it carries this kind of lighthearted atmosphere throughout all of these moments of, of role play. It's not that sexy and I couldn't find it on Spotify. So I'll give it a three. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, time. It's about three minutes. And uh, I think it uses time pretty effectively, but it, it does only tease. It never really delivers the things that I like to see, which is a bit more explicit. But in terms of like, I don't know, just uh, just in terms of time, I think it's fine. I would have liked it to go on longer. I think you said it well. I would watch 22 minutes of just this dynamic going on. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that said sort of piece by piece, they, it's like they hit the punchline every time and it's like right on track and they switch. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the pacing of it feels beautiful. And I, it's, it's not that I want to like spend more time with any of these ridiculous fantasies. It's just like, I want 10 more of them. <laughs> yeah. It's just so fun. It's like, I don't want it to end. Right. Which is how I feel about the show in general. <laughs> That, that's deserving of high score. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it a four. S-T-A. Authenticity. I think this is really authentic. I mean, granted, the one inauthentic thing I will say is that not everyone has a props department that they can be like, I want two fake mustaches. And I want like, uh, I don't know, is, is George wearing a lab coat? Like, you know, no, not everyone has just an array of props that they can use for their role playing. Uh, but aside from that, very authentic, I think. I'm going to disagree with you there. I feel like so little of it is stuff that you wouldn't have in your house. She's not actually wearing a lab coat. She's wearing like a white button down blouse half unbuttoned and has like one rubber glove and that's it. And then the mustaches and cape could be like reused Halloween costumes. I feel like that's what's so funny about it is that Mm. it's mostly fantasy and imagination and they're just doing it so well that we're like totally along for the ride. And we're like, of course that's a lab coat, but it's just an unbuttoned blouse. That's true. I see that now. That's something I really liked about it. But here's, here's my one uh, thing that I bumped on for authenticity. Okay. Does George just walk in and shove something up her asshole? (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) No, no preparation, no lubrication. Is just like, are we alone? Hold on one second. <laughs> shoves, shoves a vibrator up her asshole. It's a little ambiguous. <laughs> <It's> but... Ambiguous. <laughs> I think, um, I think definitely the vibrator is around her asshole. <laughs> Whether it's penetrating is the questionable part. 
That's the question. She says it's in my ass when she's yeah when she's in the role play. She says Ripley, Ripley, it's vibrating in my ass or whatever. (laughs) She does explicitly state that it's in her ass and that Ripley needs to come rescue it from her ass. (laughs) Rescue her from it. Let's be clear. I don't think they need to rescue the alien from. Come on. Come on, you know, rescue George from yeah, the alien yeah, yeah. in her asshole. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, Lauren. It's not the point. The point is, did George just cold shove something up her asshole? Because <laughs> that's not very authentic. You're right. You're right. Uh, if there's a bulge in the back of the pants, I think we can assume that it's not in her mm-hmm. asshole. Because when she pulled that thing out, I was like, oh, I know what's about to happen here. That's great. And then her hand went down the back, back of, her, of pants. her pants. And I was like, oh, George, <laughs> what are you up to? Are you just going the long way? Are you going over the polar ice caps to get to Asia? You know? <laughs> But she was just going for her asshole, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what I get for making assumptions about what people are into. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So stupid. Can I take that back? Can I just undo that? No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get when you make ass assumptions. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that so much. Um, Okay. (laughs) No, I mean, personally, it looks like she's struggling to get it, like, <laughs> jammed up there as yeah, she's walking in. Yeah, you don't in. say. So, like, <laughs> probably she's trying, but also probably it's not going to work for her. Uh, but I think this is very authentic. I think even, even I would say, even oh. fumbling with a vibrator in your pants is authentic. <laughs> Uh, it's it's certainly authentic feeling. Yeah, yeah. I want to give it a five. I love it. It feels so authentic. I mean, I haven't talked too much about the like uh, non-binary thing, um, but the like. <laughs> listen, I hate Why you. Why is it a uh, non-binary thing coming from a non-binary person? Well, because it. Are you okay. sick of talking about it, or are you no. like self-loathing over there? <laughs> No, it's like a big thing in this show is that they like ambiguity and not like labels. And like May Martin said something like they basically only came out as non-binary because they knew any non-cis male comedian has to have some modifier in front of their name. Like, (laughs) oh, they're a great female comedian or oh, they're a great lesbian comedian. Ew. Yeah, ew. Um, and, and so that's why they were like, if you're gonna have to label me, use the correct one. But it is kind of like really nice and authentic to see like a non-binary person get to play a bit more like masculine, a bit more feminine. And like, I think that's so cool. Just being able to see that and see like, oh, this is a person who is so fluid and that's that's how i how i feel well that's great authentic representation is important then and i'm glad it makes you feel that way i would just 
for the sake of annoying the shit out of you right. say more than <laughs> more than this is super authentic it's like ideal mm. and i don't mean that in a negative way it's not ideal like un, like unrealistic impossible sex positions and everyone comes at the exact same time together after 30 seconds of penetrative inter- intercourse ideal it's ideal in like you want to be having that much fun and you want to feel that free to fantasize with your partner and you want to feel free to explore your gender and your your dominance or whatever in that way and it's ideal and i think it's lovely in that way but i don't know if that necessarily translates to authenticity well that so i think is just us being sad and not having had the most like fulfilling emotionally like great relationships okay yeah you're right everybody has a perfect sex life i'm not (laughs) except us (laughs) that's not what i'm saying but i i think it can be authentic i think it should be authentic i'm gonna rate it a five and i don't care what you say all right do it i support you okay good uh then uh, authentic heat now heat this is a tough one because as we've said it's a tease it's a lot of foreplay it's not delivering on that much. Uh, in most of these scenes, everyone's fully clothed, even the scene where they wake up in bed. But at the same time, there's such a fun energy and playfulness. And as you said, it's so heavily implied that they are fucking on the reg that like you it is kind of sexy. It is like their chemistry is just really, really hot. They have hot chemistry and you can feel that thrumming through all of these situations so just because you're not seeing where that vibrator ultimately goes mm-hmm. it's just enough to go oh i know what they're about to do interesting yeah. love it and then you switch to a new thing and you see that same energy and chemistry thrumming through a new you know scenario a new role-playing situation um and then they do it again um and every time there's just like that hint of like how hot they are for each other and that they're about to do it. And that's kind of like what serves as the punchline in every situation is just like, you know, that moment of like the, the playful growling and nuzzling, like she's going to bite George's neck. That's the first one. And then the next one is what the next one is the doctor one. And it's like the punchline is like flipping on the vibrator. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's like undoing the robe for the house. Undoing the robe unbuttoning the pants when she's the king right so it's like that's the thing they take it exactly to the point of like oh i know what's about to happen and then they cut us off so that you kind of like move into the next one wanting more so i think it's really effectively done that's true i don't want to rate it too highly because i think doing so would kind of break our rating system so (laughs) i i'm gonna just give it a three it's really hot but it's hot in a very i think you said the word cerebral earlier it's hot in a very cerebral way Mm -hmm. yeah uh and then production value uh i don't have much to say except that i really like this show and i really like everything that they do every aspect of it i think is really good i have no complaints i think i would give the most (laughs) props to (laughs) the prop department Because I do think, as I said, I think 
I think George's apartment is like a beautiful lived in space. And that's very hard to achieve on a set. And like you said, all the things that they use, you were right to correct me. It is things that you would find in your home. And that's also a testament to a thoughtful prop department. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like they, they've carried it just past the point of what you might consider conventional, but, but not like in that they've got movie quality costumes going or like <laughs> dialogue. That's so great. It was written by a writer, you know what I mean? And they, they're saying silly, awkward things and they're, they've got these like half made costumes. And so really it's like this commitment of the actors to what mm-hmm. they're doing or, or within that, the commitment of the characters to what they're doing. That's, that makes it so funny and so good. And you're just absolutely willing to go on that ride with them. And, and the most ridiculous part is May climbing off the fake horse. Yes. That's so fun, <laughs> like so unnecessary and so funny, but so it speaks funny. to the character being like all in on mm-hmm. this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's such a great little moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh oh, uh I have to rate it. Um four four or five. What do you, what do you think? Four or five? I would give it a four. Okay. Then a four it will be. As we often say, it's it's got conventional production value, but mm-hmm. done really well. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not creatively groundbreaking, but it is very, very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I love this show. I'm so glad I got to talk about it. I'm so glad Netflix picked it up for season two. I'm so glad about the representation. You know, as I've, I've mentioned some of the things that are, you know, trigger warnings. So obviously as always be mindful about your content, but like, if you, if this is something that you can consume safely, like, Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this to me. I had only ever seen like one part of an episode in season two because somebody else was watching it in the Mm -hmm. same room. Um, and I didn't know it was this funny. So now I'm going to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Lauren, I'm really excited to talk to you about my offering this week which we've name dropped on the podcast before just because it made such a splashy, sexy hit when it first came out um, last December. So I'm really, really glad to finally bring you Bridgerton. (gasps) Bridgerton. Bridgerton. (laughs) That is the (laughs) 2020 American Regency romance period drama, which takes place in London in 1813. Um, this is a Shondaland show. So it's from the production company of the amazing and prolific Shonda Rhimes, who also created Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. So all kinds of really juicy, sexy drama. But the show itself is created by Chris Van Dusen. Uh, and it's based on a book series by Julia Quinn. Um, the first season is based on her book, The Duke and I, which came out in the year 2000. Oh, there's so many dukes. <laughs> So many dukes and princes, and my God, which one shall we marry? Exactly. Bridgerton stars Phoebe Denever, uh, who mm-hmm. is currently living out your weird dreams about dating Pete Davidson, in case you were yeah. curious. I know. As Daphne, 
uh, and Reggae Jean Page as Simon, the Duke of Hastings. Mm-hmm. And notably, the incredible Julie Andrews narrates the show as the voice of the scandalous and anonymous gossip newsletter writer, Lady Whistledown. Mm-hmm. And anyone who hasn't watched the show will quickly realize that it's just Regency era Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's Gossip Girl. It's not anything. <laughs> it's just Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. It should be noted. It's, it's really great. So Bridgerton is about the ton, the high society of London of that period. And it's named for this the very wealthy Bridgerton family. They're headed by Violet, who's the Dowager Viscountess, and her eight children, who are named alphabetically. Yeah. Antony, Benedict, Colin, Daphne, Eloise, Francesca, Gregory, and Hyacinth. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, as we go through the book series, each one focuses on another of the Bridgerton children as they get older, I think. And all like finding love. Ooh. Finding love. I think they don't go strictly in order because the first book is about Daphne, who is the fourth child. And I think the next one is about Antony, who's her oldest brother. But whatever, they all have different focuses. So the show opens on the day that a new gaggle of eligible young ladies are presented to the queen to start a season of courting and marriages, right? This is Daphne's debut into society. So the whole family, despite their various levels of eagerness to settle down themselves, um, they're all hopeful that she'll make a good impression and set the standard for marriages, at least for her sisters. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's important that she makes a good impression. Daphne herself is so ready for marriage and babies and living the society life. And she's very, very good at it. And at the tender age of what? 16? I can't remember. She's young. Yeah. You know, clearly supposed to be a teenager. (laughs) Um, And as Lady Whistledown remarks in the first episode in the narration, Titled Chaste and Innocent, this is what they have been raised and trained for since birth. So mm-hmm. Daphne, Daphne is ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she immediately shines and she is named the Diamond of the First Water, uh, the most eligible when the queen calls her flawless. She kind of becomes the bachelorette of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But Lady Whistledown is always ready to step in and release some hot goss and stir up trouble. So pretty quickly, Daphne's star begins to dim a little bit when she doesn't immediately secure the right marriage match due in large part to her brother, Antony, mean mugging everyone who comes near her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so she decides to pull off a little bit of a courting charade with Antony's best friend from university, Simon, the Duke of Hastings, who is this prickly unwilling to marry and have children because of his daddy issues really fucking hot guy yes like really fucking hot yeah i can't emphasize enough how hot reggae jean page is god i mean he came out of nowhere came Mm -hmm. out of nowhere it's this was his debut true everyone and their aunt is thirsty for this guy i cannot uh, uh. True. He he was actually in another Shondaland show that got canceled pretty early on, and then really suddenly everybody's thirsty for Reggae Jean. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. But so the idea of this little uh, charade that they start is that 
Daphne will look better for having the attention of a duke. Uh, and he will be free from all these young ladies and their desperate mothers just throwing themselves at him <laughs> because he's yeah. that hot and eligible. He's yeah. a duke. He's yeah. gorgeous. Whatever. He's got he's, an estate or whatever. He's got like a fucking palace and yeah. whatever, you know, just a just a hot damaged man that everybody wants. Ugh, don't we all? Um, I but know. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a fake dating at you. It's a fake dating AU. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a fake yep. dating Regency Gossip Girl era fusion thing. It's it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. It's all very obvious. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of uh, unexpected things, but it's like it's all it's all served hot and ready exactly the way you want it. You know. Yep. But it kind of starts on a on like an enemies to lovers note mm-hmm. where uh, Daphne trying to escape a creepy old overly forward man at one of the balls just plows straight into simon who thinks she's one of these desperate young ladies throwing herself at him so when she's just like um what's your name he's like do you expect me to believe you don't know my name (laughs) so that's that's where they start in this weird contentious place um and then they decide they're gonna pull off this little caper together which is cute and of course of course, they start to fall for each other, but they've mm-hmm. got these wildly different life plans. Uh, mm-hmm. So it doesn't all come together neatly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to like spoil all that happens, but a lot of drama ensues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Daphne and Simon get forced into a marriage that they both kind of want, but they're regretful about because of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so in episode six, we find them in a nice sex montage on their honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're, you're blowing right past the first time that they have sex uh, and going straight into the montage. I am indeed, because that was the theme of the day. All and right. it's a good it's a good montage. So it you're going good. to season one, episode six, about 11 minutes, 10 seconds in or so. OK. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> So let me describe the scene and then feel free to chime in because there's a lot to describe. So we pick up with Daphne and Simon at dinner um, where they get into a little PDA in front of the staff. Simon says something like, oh, you don't need to be dressed so formally when we're at home. And he pulls off those like elbow length white gloves she's wearing. (laughs) It's very erotic in like a very dumb very feminine way super erotic he pulls off her gloves and she's um she she kind of suggests they retire to the bedroom she's like oh my god should we go upstairs but of course he says no i have a better idea (laughs) and they run outside instead um Mm -hmm. and they start kissing out in the open up against some kind of i don't know architectural feature or sculpture or something and they start loosening up their clothes and she like opens his collar and they're really getting into it. And then there's this crack of thunder and it starts pouring rain. <sighs> so, <laughs> so they're making out in the pouring rain and it's beautiful. And then they sprint across the lawn to, I don't like I a, don't know. a gazebo or an yes. orangery or something, another architectural something feature fancy. on the land, something fancy and made of stone. They run through the rain to this structure that covers them uh, and they strip down and 
they they fuck on the floor of whatever this thing is um <sighs> and it's so lovely and so romantic um and simon is really gentle with her he reaches down to touch her pussy and he whispers do you like this tell me <laughs> what you want <laughs> <laughs> and she um, of course she of course does the thing that every you know soft demure woman who's never learned how to talk about sex says in that response which is where she goes i want dot 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 you (laughs) (laughs) but the important part is that you know he's a ggg bae because he went straight to rubber pussy first Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. lovely and he's like quite naked and she's just wearing like a, a like a corset so her yes. titties are heaving out the top of it and look mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fuck really passionately for about 12 seconds and then Simon pulls out to come. Yeah. <laughs> when I, um, when I, I, I guess I had forgotten this is the, a plot point that he keeps pulling out. Indeed. And I'll get into yeah. that um, because not knowing what happened in that moment, Daphne asks, does that hurt? Yeah. <laughs> Re the orgasm. Um, so the show really plays with with the idea of chastity and, and ignorance about sex uh, in a really mm-hmm. interesting way. It's clear that Daphne has no idea what sex is or how it works or that it makes babies until yeah. her wedding night. Yeah. Uh, and she tries to ask questions. She tries to get out ahead of the problem because she knows, right? Um, but her mother, despite having eight children, will only be flowery and poetic about it. So she doesn't really learn anything. Her mother calls it the marital act. <laughs> and and when Daphne expresses concern about not knowing how to do the marital act, her mother says, oh, it's the most natural thing in the world. Do you remember those hounds we had? No one taught them how to do it. And we still had puppies. Right? That's yeah. kind of the excuse she gives is like, oh, everybody figures it out. You'll be fine. Yeah. And luckily, that's framed as a bad thing that causes Mm-hmm. bad things for Daphne, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect the beginning of this montage is an ode to that idea of sex being extremely natural, so we're better to do it than in nature. They run straight outside. <laughs> they let mm-hmm. nature take them, right? Yeah. And so earlier in the series, there's a very heated exchange between Daphne and Simon while they're fake courting, where he encourages her to touch herself because she clearly doesn't know anything about sex and pleasure. Um, which is a nice, again, GGG Bay thing to do. Uh, and she does, she masturbates, but that only kind of helps a little when it comes to her understanding of the concept of sex. So poor Daphne is in a position where she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And that causes her a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I read one really funny take in an article written by the comedian and TV critic, Ashley Ray, where she wrote, <laughs> Um, she was comparing Bridgerton to the show Harlots and she said Bridgerton is something Harlots doesn't have an obsession with jizz that makes the show fucking hilarious <laughs> you see the show focuses on one girl Daphne Bridgerton and her quest to get her hands on some jizz I mean technically <laughs> I mean, technically, it's about her finding a husband and starting a family, but the show is actually just about this one girl learning what jizz is and how it works. (laughs) No, that's actually the truth. I know. (laughs) 
funny. So, so that's where we start this honeymoon montage is with their little foray in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we cut to them fucking again in bed this time, this lovely morning light streaming in through the window. And we kind of just pan past them in a couple of quick shots, basically just mm-hmm. showing how hot and in love they are while they fuck in missionary position. That one's a really quick part of the montage, but it's still lovely it's it's very quick but it is in this like slow motion like Mm -hmm. a kind of otherworldly out of reality moment yeah it's almost like the focus of those shots are reggae jean's arms (laughs) i don't know if you agree with that but for me all i I can agree all i can look at is like the slow pan past his extremely Uh muscular arms which look beautiful um, so so good so that one's really quick and then we cut back out to them on the grounds of the palace having picnic sex under this cute pink parasol she's in a dressing gown and he's butt ass naked completely nude they're laughing they're having fun he rolls over on top of her and you get a great shot of his little booty i love it and they're next to a pond, so they're like swans floating around in the background. It's really cute. And he's so smiley. They're both so happy. In they this. Are. I, I really like this one. It's it's good. And um Phoebe has incredible cheekbones. So even when she's mm. smiling just a little bit, they're like her popping. cheeks are like so popping and she yeah. looks so happy. And so that kind of contributes to how how cute and fun and nice it all feels. So we've got these two quick ones sandwiched in the middle of this montage. And then after that, we cut to the library where Daphne is leaned back against a ladder against the bookshelves um, while Simon eats her out down on his knees. And this Mm -hmm. one is particularly nice because we watch a few seconds as she shivers and moans in a close up for Mm -hmm. like several seconds before we pull back to the wider shot and we see what it is that he's doing to her. And then he stands up and he kisses her very passionately, just straight from pussy to mouth, which yep. maybe TMI, but man, that's hot. Yep, um, that's good. I I want I so want to break good. in here for a second. I uh-huh. want to break in um, because I uh, hadn't heard anything about this show. Uh, it was suddenly trending, I think, on Tumblr or something. I click. I'm like, what's that? And I see two gifs of this shot, this wide of him kneeling and then standing up to kiss her. And I was like, oh, I have to watch this show. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such beautiful framing. They're very off to the to the side. It's beautiful. Ugh, just the like decadence of this being able to see through this library and this ladder and her stockings and oh my god everything about this one shot told me everything i needed to know about this show (laughs) it's framed in a very voyeuristic way because it's framed like somebody peeking around the corner of a wall at them yeah which is a really nice choice so you do feel like you're just kind of observing them in their in their natural and horny habitat (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's great and so he's eating her out and he stands up and they make out 
passionately for several seconds. And then they're like, it's clear that they're about to fuck against the ladder. And then I think Daphne says something like, but, but what will this, I don't know, what will the staff will think the staff or something? Think. Yeah. Uh, and he just doesn't fucking care. So, of course, right then we cut to a couple of maids standing outside the door listening yeah. in and giggling um, just as a as a little comedic aside. And then we cut back into the room with the couple and they're really going at it. Um, and he's fucking her right up against the ladder and in in a shot very reminiscent of atonement. And I'm sure it's intentional. Yep. Daphne's mm-hmm. shoe drops off her foot yep. in this beautiful, intense, passionate library fucking. Mm-hmm. And we have a beautiful series of shots uh, of her hand uh, on his on the back of his neck, like trying to grasp on onto his shirt. And you see the flash of that ring. That is like, ah, ha, ha, this is, this is married and this is, this is legal. <laughs> like, it, like, this is so sexy and it's allowed. Because they're married. Because they're married. But you know what? That, that part reminds me of atonement too, because you get those flashes of Kira Knightley and that giant diamond bracelet. That's true. It's almost kind of like more parallels there, but I absolutely think you're right. They're drawing attention to her damn wedding ring and they're saying this good girl was chased and now she can be a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets because it's allowed. It's a great what they do when they cut between that like flash of the ring. And then the other shot is the other hand grasping onto the ladder and her like open mouth as she's being fucked. And it's like, oh, that's beautiful. Mm hmm. It's all incredible and they're fucking and fucking and fucking and then smash cut to Daphne's getting her hair brushed by a maid because she's got it all messed up. So another just little comic beat where Daphne's a little embarrassed, but not really embarrassed. She's kind of psyched that she's finally fucking Simon. Yeah. As her maid detangles her hair from their from their married couple activities. Well, that's exactly right, because this is what her whole life has been building up to is finding a husband and fucking a bunch. So she's psyched. Well, not really, because she had no idea that fucking made babies. So she wanted a husband and she wanted babies, but she didn't know fucking was part of it. That's true. That's true. That is an important logical leap. But, you know, she'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, fuck me in my logical leaps, I guess. <laughs> and I, I want to note that this episode is mm-hmm. written by Sarah Dollard and directed by Julianne Robinson, both mm-hmm. women. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that comes across clearly in how much more time we spend ogling Simon in these montage shots than we do Daphne. He's almost always more nude than she is. And our focus for Daphne is really on her learning on her pleasure. And he's just kind of this vehicle for her to experience what her body can do for the first time. Yeah. I love his butt. <laughs> he's got a cute butt. He's got a he's cute got everything. Such a good butt. Bless uh, him. He's got a cute everything from head to toe. Yeah. And then I, I like this montage thematically just because it acts as both the literal and metaphorical honeymoon period for this couple Mm -hmm. before the shit hits the fan again because it's a drama series yes so like going forward from there they really doubled down on that idea with the soundtrack on this so should we Mm -hmm. stop and rate the scene or do you have more thoughts about it 
Uh, no, I think if I haven't made it clear, I really like his butt, but I think we can move on. Are you sure? Should we have a moment of silence for all the time we have to spend not looking at Reggae Jean Page's butt cheeks? Yes, okay, we can move on. <laughs> um, all right, well, stop. Let's rate it one through five, starting with the soundtrack, which I'm going to give a four to. Mm-hmm. This montage is over a string orchestra cover of Taylor Swift's Wildest Dreams. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle doubling down of this idea of the honeymoon period because um, while we don't get the actual lyrics to the song in this version because it's just like a string quartet or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but the lyrics to the song are You'll see me in hindsight, tangled up with you all night, burning it down. Someday when you leave me, I bet these memories will follow you around. And so if you know what's coming, you know that there's there's something cresting here. Yeah. <laughs> and the shit's going to hit the fan. Um, and the song's not particularly sexy, but with the strings, it sounds very romantic and upbeat in contrast to the themes of the actual song's lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I give it a four more because it's clever than because I love it. It's not like the first period show to do string covers of pop songs either. Mm-hmm. Cause I think rain maybe holds that honor, but it is just great. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, I am a sucker for this, uh, device. So I, I, I like the soundtrack in this show a lot. I got really excited when I recognized like, thank you next in, in one of the, in one of the scenes. And I was like, oh, that's really clever. <laughs> there was, um, the other one I really loved was that song that's, uh, yeah, Strange by Celeste, that song. Um, there's a, a really beautiful moment with that in one of the first few episodes, too. Hmm. Um, so good, good covers of pop songs, but sort of altered to sound period appropriate, which I think is yeah. fun and cute and you know, part of the reason why this had such a huge audience <laughs> is that they kind of catered to popular opinion in ways that I think are yeah. fine. It's not boring or overly contrived or whatever, but it does it does cater to a wide audience mm-hmm. of yeah. most mostly horny women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think and I think that's a distinctly feminine choice to to lay the scene over music that makes it romantic instead of maybe super sexy yeah yeah and so for timing i would give it a three i think the timing is pretty good but if i had to lodge a complaint it would be about how unbalanced it is between these different sections of the montage so it's like a it's like a sandwich with too much bread and not enough filling is how it strikes me so we spend a lot of time at the beginning and at the end um, in the garden and in the library and the two in the middle almost feel like filler. And I'm like, if it's filler, you should have given me one or two more of the filler. Yes. Yes. That's what I was thinking was I could really use an, at least one more short little scene in the middle of this Two makes it obvious how little there is. Three is at least, you know, that's eh, something. <laughs> it's like a sandwich with two ingredients which is just not enough yeah <laughs> so they're all lovely and they look great but i think this could be edited in a more 
even way that makes it feel like a more traditional montage sequence. Yeah, I agree. That would be my only thoughts there. And then authenticity. I'm going to give it a two. Nothing that they're doing is outrageous, but it would be outrageous for 1813, I think. Yeah. So for like the time period and for the ignorance of the main character to be having really good sex with a really hot guy right away is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So you've you've got that where Daphne's sexual experiences are great from the very beginning. The first time she touches herself, she comes and then right. on her wedding night, the first time she has intercourse, she comes and it's just it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> it's not realistic. Um, But it is lovely. And then further to that, Simon and his fucking baby resistant daddy issues is Mm -hmm. steadfastly relying on the pullout method to avoid knocking her up. And that's stupid and it doesn't work. So don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Even just the way that their bodies are arranged in some of these shots, it feels to me more like they're showing off. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's what you do for cameras is you show off. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the, the fact that we see just a hint of, of Daphne, like towing off her skirt and like her, her pussy out and like, you know, and he's immediately like covering her and, and like, there's so much about it that to me screams like so well choreographed mm-hmm. that it's like, it doesn't feel authentic. You're absolutely right. And here's a quote from Phoebe Denever about that fact. She said, we did the intimate scenes like stunts. We blocked them out. So you have yoga balls in between you and all sorts of things that never make you feel exposed in any way. You always feel safe. I'd rehearse with reggae so, so much that we both knew what we were doing. It felt very practical. Now, this show is famous for having an intimacy coordinator on set. Mm-hmm. which really made the actors feel far more comfortable. And they talk about that a lot. Um, Phoebe also said in the scene where she has to masturbate for the first time, she had a male director and she said um, that she would have felt so much more uncomfortable if there hadn't been this go-between person. If she just had this man being like, mm, you're not orgasming right on camera. Yeah. <laughs> she said that would have been awkward. I felt so safe in the knowledge that Lizzie was there, Lizzie being the coordinator, mm-hmm. so that if something went wrong or the director wanted something different, he could speak to her first. Okay. Yeah. So it was a very positive situation for everybody, but it was heavily choreographed, very mm-hmm. careful, very rehearsed, mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone was comfortable, which is great. Uh, But it does show a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how do I say this nicely? You know, in the same way a fight scene should absolutely be safe. There should be no chance of, you know, two people accidentally punching each other. There are ways to still make it look like it hurt. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm kind of like... Yeah, I'm really glad that everything was was safe and everything was really well practiced. But that's what acting is, is you're supposed to like make a line that you've read a bunch of times come out like you just thought of it. I don't know. It's maybe too mean. and I might get it, but that's my opinion. 
No. And I, I think it's not necessarily bad, but it all is so polished and so perfect. And it just means it's not very authentic. And that's, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's a lot of what movie and TV sex is. It's all this. This is a particularly polished and pristine example of TV sex. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and I'm genuinely glad that it was a good experience for the actors. Oh, absolutely. So heat, man, this is super hot. I think it's I'd give really it a five, good. particularly yeah. because of the library. It's just, it's super hot. It's super romantic and intimate. We stan a duke who eats pussy. Mm -hmm. Like it's a stimulus check. I know you said that right off the bat with the first one when he kind of like touches her pussy for a second, but mm -hmm. by the end, he is actually going down on her. So I think really we, we get the stimulus check. It's playful and it's intense, which is very nice. intense. Yeah. So you kind of, you kind of get a little bit for everybody. You get the really hot, can't keep your hands off each other intensity in the library. And you get kind of the lazy, romantic morning light streaming into the bedroom in one of the one of the middle ones. And, you know, the making out in the rain like you do in all good British dramas. Mm -hmm, <laughs> it's all, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's really hot. I would give it a five out of five personally. I absolutely agree. I, I... Uh, his arms and his butt, mm -hmm. his smile and her, like her beautiful hair and her like legs around his. Oh, my God. Those thick stockings for some reason are doing it for me. Yeah. And her titties. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I'm so weirdly into like the heaving corset titties yeah. of period drama. Yeah. <laughs> I love heaving corset titties. Oh, it's so good. There's so much to love. There's one shot in the first part of the montage where she's got just like a smidge of nipple peeking out above the corset. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's the shit right there. <laughs> 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 yes. Yes. Uh, I Five, undeniably. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the production value, I, I also think is like, way up there aside from the balance of the timing mm -hmm. um i would give it like a four the mm -hmm. female gaze and influence is just super evident in how all of this comes together from the settings to the costumes to the music to the editing it's all distinctly feminine and i love it for that there's you know nothing creatively groundbreaking happening again um except for that fact that is groundbreaking, that yes. it's all so deeply feminine. Uh, yeah. And I want to see more of that in my content because it's really sexy and it's really romantic. Yeah, absolutely. They're clearly in an authentic place. Like you said, uh, in Versailles, uh, they're clearly in an authentic, like, estate or manor or whatever the fuck. Yeah, and it looks like they shot in a practical location. Yeah. And it, I love when people do that because I'm just, I'm just on a shot of the brushing the hair and like the framing is perfectly showing off like the drapery and the ornate clock and like a painting and candlesticks. And like, it's so Baroque. It's so <laughs> much, it's so extra and it's great. Yeah. It's all beautiful. Yeah. I don't 
necessarily know that that part's a practical location, but like the outside of the palace for sure is an actual structure. So that, you know, this opulent room that she's getting her hair brushed in might be a practical location or it might just be beautiful set dressing. But um, either way, there are clearly some practical locations used to great effect. Yeah. And a a fantastic art department. Mm -hmm. Uh, So good. Anyway. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's Bridgerton. Um, but I, I know we had great discussion about an honorable mention. We did. I think that one deserves all of our attention because mm-hmm. of a news item that broke this week, which I feel like we need to talk about first. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. 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 I brought this to your attention. You did. Um, and here's here's what you said to me when you sent me this news item. Mm-hmm. You said, oh, no, Batman is a DJ Khaled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that will never not be how I describe that. <laughs> so, <laughs> dear listeners, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. This was for the Harley Quinn animated series, right? Yes. Where they, the writers wanted to have a scene where Batman was going down on Catwoman in the Harley Quinn HBO Max series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and DC Comics wouldn't let it happen. And they said, that's not what heroes do. Yep. Am I getting that quote right? I believe it's it's something like that or heroes don't do that. It was something like like that. Mm-hmm. And to you, DC Comics, I say, fuck off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I buy it if Bruce Wayne billionaire playboy doesn't eat pussy, because yeah, we've all met yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we haven't. Batman, I don't know any billionaires. <laughs> but heroes, 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 I don't believe it for one second. Yeah. And that, Brings me to our sex montage honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Deadpool. Deadpool. I am 100% certain that Wade Wilson eats pussy. <laughs> Absolutely. He does. There's. Uh, okay. If you don't know, in the 2016 film Deadpool, uh, he meets. Uh, oh, what's her name? Vanessa. Mm-hmm. The, this beautiful woman played by Marina Bachran. I, I m- immediately panicked whether I said the name right. <laughs> Yeah, I would have said Morena, but I don't know if you're Marina? wrong. Morena Bachran. She's beautiful. You know her from Firefly. Yes. She plays a space hooker in Firefly and an yeah. earth hooker in Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, she's great. And when they when they start having sex, for one thing, she has short hair. And she says something like, how long can we keep this up? And he says, all year. And they go into this beautiful montage of them having sex at various calendar holidays mm-hmm. as it's... the song <laughs> as the song my calendar girl plays <laughs> and it's funny but it's weirdly romantic it's framed mm-hmm. around these holidays and we've got different opinions of where it peaks mm-hmm. um so I'll let you go first where's your peak moment in in their in their calendar year of fucking I mean, near the very beginning, we have a great shot of uh, Vanessa kind of riding him and we see her tits and that's very nice, you know, 
Uh, and I think that one's just a generic Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite joke is when they're in in the midst of all this sex. Uh, there's one shot where they're just like sitting about, you know, 10 feet apart in different in different like chairs and they're reading something. And Wade just looks over and goes, hey, happy Lent. <laughs> <laughs> so funny so funny abstaining for lent like a couple of good christians um which they're <laughs> absolutely not so but for me for me the peak is really this is the obvious point this is the biggest like haha gag of the whole montage mm-hmm. and i recognize that i'm being basic but there's a scene where it's like extreme close-up you see vanessa lean forward from behind Wade and whisper right in his ear, happy international women's day. And then she like bites and sucks on his earlobe for a second, which is really sexy. And then we pull back and she's about to peg him. And he's like, Mm -hmm. so tense. He looks like a startled cat, but his (laughs) muscles are all bulging in a really nice way because of it. And she starts to peg him, but he just goes, Nope, Nope, Nope. (laughs) Which when we were discussing this earlier, you were like, mm-hmm. I don't love that because he's not into it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's great because it's a couple trying new things and communicating about whether they like it or not. And I think that's important. That's true. That's true. Uh, that's sort of echoed a bit later. And this ties into the Batman discourse where we see Vanessa with her head lying back and she just goes, ow, ow, Wade. And he he <laughs> peeks his head up from a blanket and he has these big, goofy, fake vampire teeth. And he goes, happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and that That's, right there, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, proof that superheroes absolutely eat pussy, despite what DC Comics has to say about it. And if nothing yep. else, that means Marvel supremacy. <laughs> Marvel supremacy. <laughs> that's what heroes do. R.I.P. Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would definitely have opinions. Oh, he God. would. Do you remember Stanley's cameo in Deadpool? I don't. Which, what He's is the it? MC at the strip club where Vanessa of works. Of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> Stanley, who's like 90 years old when this came out, yeah. is the MC at a strip club and there's just big, huge fake titties out all around him. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, that brings us to another end of an episode. That's a weird way to say that. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, try it again. No, you take it away. Well, Lauren... Here we are at the end of another episode of Let's Get It On Film. Mm, it's always so sad just when it, I fucked it up again. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, could you just shut up and let me do this part? <laughs> yeah, I'm eager to hear what you have to say. There's a, There's really not that much left except to say thanks for listening. Like and subscribe if you're having a good time. That helps us. That helps us get into more ear holes out there. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. You can find us on our website at www.letsgetitonfilm.com. You can find us on the social media. Our handle is at Let's Get It On Film on Twitter and Instagram. 
we want to hear from you. So send us an email at info at let's get it on film.com. Tell us what you're watching, what you think we should be watching. If you have an episode idea, if you want to talk more about superheroes eating pussy, we're always here for that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that we have an addition to the Fuck Jams playlist because I couldn't find mine. I don't know if, is the Bridgerton soundtrack on there? Good question. Um, we could at least add the Taylor Swift version, if nothing That's else. But I true. think... I think we could get something on there this week. So, uh, right. fuck you. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> check out our companion piece, the let's get it on film. Fuck jams playlist on Spotify. Wonderful. Well then, I guess there's nothing else to say except, uh, keep pervy. Keep it pervy. Keep it pervy.